Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you, worship team. And man, that was awesome. And I just really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, at the end of last year, uh, if you were here, I was having issues, you know, my hearing aids, you know, if you don't know where hearing aids, but I, I had some hearing aids. And they were coming down to the end of his life, you know, and needed new hearing aids. And I was just trying to make it, you know. There were some days where I barely could hear anybody talk to me. And so anyway, I've got new hearing aids, and, and it's, been, it's been an adjustment, and a little bit bigger. And I went to and all these weird settings. The technology has just improved so much since the last time I bought hearing aids. And, and so I put these in, and, and, uh, and I went back this past week, and I was like, you know, I'm, I, you know, I left it. I'm having a hard time hearing in different ways. And she's like, oh, let me do this. And she did something. And these hearing aids, not only does it have microphones that face forward, but has microphones, you know, believe it or not, that go backwards. I got, you know, two microphones per ear, a forward mic and a backward mic, and she amplified the backwards mic. And all of a sudden now, I have surround sound. <laughs> and then it's really cool. So I, I'm sitting in the front row, and I, man, you guys never sounded so good. I said, wow, it's amazing. You know, uh, so this is kind of neat. And uh, now here, just, just FYI, you can't talk behind my back anymore. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I'm listening. I, I got you, all right? And so, um, but anyway, I, I just want to commend your singing and worship and, man, powerful time of worship. And um, I was just glad that you're here. I know there's some that are watching online. It's so good to have you on wherever you might be. And... Um, and uh, thank you for joining us here. We are in a message series called Grace Undeserved. And we kicked this off last Sunday. We talk about grace, and grace simply means the unmerited favor or the unmerited goodness of God. It can also be said that grace is God given to you, given to me, what we do not deserve. And so last week, we saw the power of God's grace in the incredible story about the thief on the cross. And, and, and we saw that story, and today, we're going to look at a woman in the Bible, and she did something really, really, really bad. And she got caught. And she deserved condemnation. But we'll see in the story that by the grace of Jesus... He gave her mercy. The question here, real quick, is how many of you, uh, if you can be honest, how many of you have ever been caught doing something wrong? Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Now, if you don't have your hands up, you know, you've been caught lying. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We've all been caught doing something. Maybe you've been caught stealing. Maybe you got caught lying. Maybe you got caught cheating. Or you got caught doing something. You got caught, do, you know, gossiping. I remember uh, uh, probably one of the most embarrassing moments uh, where I got caught and I got busted. Um, I was, I was um, in a sophomore in Bible college. You know, I'm, I'm in Bible college. I should know better, right? And I'm going to Bible college, and in my sophomore year, the semester was brand new. We just had a couple classes under our belt. And, uh, and I remember going to the class. It was up in the, in the fourth or fifth floor of the academic building. And, and, and people were coming and going in between classes. And I'm on my way. And I got to, the, to my floor a little early. I had time to use the restroom. I'm in the bathroom. And I'm washing my hands. 
And, 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 a, and a friend of mine happened to be in and said, hey, buddy, how's it going? And we're washing hands and stuff, man, we're good. And, and it's just us two in the bathroom, big bathroom, but just us two. And uh, I said, well, what were you up to? Were you, what, what class are you about to go to? And the guy tells me, so I'm about to go to the class and, uh, with Dr. So-and-so. And I look at him and I said, as loud as I could, in my deafness, I don't think I'm loud, but I'm loud. And I said, Dr. So-and-so, and he, I think it's the most born teacher on the planet. I mean, this is awful. I can't stay awake in this class. This is terrible. Unless it kept going on and on and on. I said, oh, man. And uh, I just had his class yesterday. It was, oh, it was awful. And, and the guy, you know, he finished washing his hand, and he said, yeah, I know. He, he's, not, he's not my favorite either. And, and, and then he apparently heard a noise. And he looked down and saw that there was someone in one of the stalls. He looked at me, and I am not, I'm not even, I'm still talking how terrible he is. I'm not even thinking about it, you know. He, he points his finger up and goes like this to his mouth. And I go, Motion to get out. So we go out and said, what, what's wrong? I said, I think Dr. So-and-so's in the bathroom. I said, no, he's not in the bathroom. How can you tell? I, 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 I recognize his feet. <laughs> I said, I, come on. You know, there was nobody in there. I said, no, there's somebody in there. I said, so we walk over to the phone. There's a big lobby area, and we kind of got our eyes, you know, looking over here, looking, you know, we're kind of hiding. It's crowded, so we're kind of hiding. And, I, I, and all of a sudden, I'm getting nervous. I said, man, I hope, I hope. I hope he doesn't come out these doors. And sure enough, he comes out the bathroom. And he did not look very happy. I mean, I was like, oh, man. I'm, I, and I was like, I'm busted. I, I, he, my voice sounds out so different than anybody else. You know? And, 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 and so I, I tell you what I did. I said, oh, man, I can't go back to your class. The deadline for dropping, dropping and adding classes hadn't been met yet. I went straight down to the registrar office. <laughs> I said, I need to request a class to be dropped. Because I knew I could not go back in that room with him teaching without me flunking. I just knew it could be bad. I got caught and I got busted. And we're going to look at a woman who was completely and totally busted. And she was in the wrong. In fact, we're going to look at the Gospel of John chapter 8, and I'm going to look at, starting at verse 2, we're just going to kind of go verse by verse through the story this morning, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to let the power of God here minister to us in a very special way. John chapter 8, verse number 2, Bible said, at dawn in the morning, Jesus, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. Now, just, I want you to picture what's happening here. Jesus is, you know, he's outside in the temple courts. He's teaching. There's a group of people, you know, probably a small group of people, an intimate group, maybe like a little bit like a life group, maybe. He's teaching the word to this group. 
all of a sudden, the Pharisees, they come in. Now, the Pharisees, they were the religious people. They hated, they hated Jesus. They were looking for any opportunity to trip Jesus up. And, and, and so they, they showed up unannounced, and they bring in um, a, a woman, a woman who had been recently caught in the act of adultery. Chances are that if she was just recently caught, she probably doesn't have a whole lot of clothes on. She might have a bed sheet on. She might be partially clothed. But she is totally and completely humiliated. Now, I just think it's interesting here, you know, that the Pharisees, you know, uh, think about it. When, when it comes to adultery, it takes two. And I think it's interesting that the Pharisees only drag the woman. I always ask when I read this, where's the man, right? Where's the man? You know, it's almost like a double standard right here among the religious people. But regardless, they brought this woman in, and she's shamed completely through and through. She's guilty. And she was caught in the sin. She was caught in the act. Unfortunately, this morning, some of you, you have been caught doing something wrong. You know what those voices of condemnation sound like. You've been caught, you've been busted, and the voices of condemnation says your life is over. Your life is ruined. You're never going to live this down, right? It says no one's going to love you after what you did. It's the voice that says, you're supposed to be a Christian. How can God forgive you for what you did? God will never use you again. You are done. It's over. You're nothing. You see, we hear the voices of condemnation, the voices of shame, the voices of guilt. And what's interesting to me is this, that you don't even have to be caught doing something wrong to feel shame. You don't have to be caught. In fact, sometimes shame grows more in the dark. It's the secret sins that you keep tripping yourself over. Perhaps it's the secret sexual sin that just eats you up inside of you. You know, you do well for a season and then, and then you fail and, and, then, and then you feel the guilt and the shame all inside of you. And maybe it's not in the category of sexual sin for you. It, it may be, you know, uh, for some it could be overspending. You, you, you buy more than you could afford, then you get the bills, and you're like, I, I'll never do that again. And then a few weeks later, you're shopping in the stores, you're shopping in your, in your, in, in your favorite you know, Costco or, or Sam Club or wherever you might be, and, 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 you, and you go shopping again, you overspend, and you feel like, and, then, and realize that after the fact, you feel like you're in the dark because you can't control yourself. Some of you, it's a substance, a substance that has you. It could be a substance in a bottle or something in a can or just something that you shoot up. There's something maybe you smoke and there's something that's very small but it's bigger than you. And, and, and you feel dark when you go back to it again and again and again. You feel the shame, the guilt. Maybe for some of you it's your temper. 
You just lose it. You know, you're like, you know, you, you lose it, and then you're like, man, I don't ever want to do that again. I don't want to unload on my, my, my husband. I don't want to unload on my wife. I don't want to unload on my kids ever again. I don't want to do that. It wasn't their fault. I just let my frustration get the best of me. And then, and then you do well for a few weeks, and all of a sudden you lose it again, and, and you feel so bad. And the guilt. Now, for some of you, I, it may not even be a sin. You know, you, 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 know, you don't see yourself as a, as a good dad or a good mom. You, and you're on Facebook, and you start seeing all the other posts, the perfect, you know, Facebook posts, and and social media posts on Instagram and, and how, how they got their house all perfect in order and, and, and everything, it looked, the food looks good. And, and you're thinking, I'm such a terrible mom. I'm such a terrible dad. I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to organize a closet. My kids always walk out with their clothes not even match. It's awful. And you just feel bad about yourself. You start carrying the guilt and the shame and the condemnation on yourself. Now, for some, unfortunately, and this is, goes even deeper. For some of you, you didn't even do it. In fact, you were the victim. Someone who was in authority, or in position of authority, or position of power, at some point in your life, took advantage of you. They abused you. And, and, and somehow Satan got it all twisted in your mind. He twisted the event where you say, you know what, I could have avoided that. It's my fault. And you be, you be, you're the victim. But you blame it on yourself. You blame yourself for this. You say, I must have done something to deserve this. You took what someone else did to you, and you think what they did to you is who you are. Shame. Condemnation, guilt. I go back to this woman in John chapter 8. And if this woman, if you were in her shoes today in 2024, and you got busted for doing something terrible, you got caught, you, you would think in 2024, you would think my life is over. My life is over. Not entirely true, but that's what we would think. That's our first reaction. However, in John chapter 8, when this woman thinking, my life is, is over, she's literally thinking, she's literally thinking, my life is over. They're going to kill me for this. Because in those days, in Jewish laws, the sin of adultery was probably one of the top three, four sins you could commit. It was a crime punishable by death. In fact, we see this, you know, um, uh, we, we see this in, in verse number three. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her good stand before the group. And look, look what they said in verse 4. And they said, Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, 
in the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say, Jesus? Now, you got to understand, Jesus, that the Pharisees, right, they hated Jesus. They want to put Jesus in a trap, and they're trying to create a, 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 a catch-22. Uh, uh, they're trying to create a win-win situation for them. They don't care about this woman. They could care what she did, really. They were just leveraging her to try to get to Jesus. And so they thought, man, there's a, there's a, a win-win situation for us because if Jesus answered this way, you know, if Jesus answered, yeah, you guys are you're right, you know, you guys, we, we need to kill her, we need to stone her, then, then Jesus would have lost his reputation as being a loving and merciful God. And on the flip side of the coin, if Jesus was like, you know, guys, let's, 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 let's just settle down here. Let, 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 let's relax. You know, let's not punish her. Let's not kill her. Then, and then the Pharisees would have said, hey, Jesus condoned the sin of adultery. He, he thinks he's better than the law of Moses. And so there was a thing going on here, and they were hoping that Jesus would get saved one way or the other. They had a trap. In fact, we see this in verse number six. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But what they did not realize is that Jesus had another another way to answer the question. And it's not what they thought it was coming. They had no idea what was happening. We see what happens here. Jesus, the Bible says, bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So hey, you picture this, right? Picture, got this woman full of shame, guilt. She barely clothed. They asked Jesus, should we stone her? Jesus says nothing. He gets down on his knees and starts to doodle in the sand. He starts writing in the dirt. He stopped responding, and God kept asking the question, so what do you think we should do, Jesus? What do you think we should do? Come on, we want an answer. He's drawing in the sand. Now, the, the, the great question, Scott, some of you asked, so what, what, what did he write? What did Jesus write in the sand? And, and to be honest with you, we're not entirely sure. We're not entirely sure of what it was. But a lot of scholars believe that perhaps Jesus may have been writing uh, like the Ten Commandments. Some scholars believe that maybe he was writing out the sin of the Pharisees. You know, but we don't know. It's interesting, though, uh, a couple of thoughts here. Um, I'm going to kind of geek out a little bit on Greek. Can y'all geek out with me? We're going to do a little Greek. I'm a Greek geek, okay? Greek, geek out with me for a minute. So the word that we see here in verse number six. Can we have that screen up? Someone waking up out there, there we go. What did Jesus write? The word cartographing. What did Jesus write in the dirt? It's the word cartographing. In fact, it's the only time in scripture, all of scripture, we see this Greek word. And it's actually two words. It's actually a, a, a prefix, the word kata. If you look at the next screen, the word kata. It's it, it the word against. And the word graphing means to write down. We get the, you know, the word graph, the English word graph from this word, to write down. 
right? And so when you put those two words together, you, you get this word, cytographin, which means to write down again. Now, the word graphin, it's actually a common Greek word. You see that throughout the scripture. But cytographin, to write down again. So I think it's very interesting that the Greek writer, that John used a specific word. In other words, it means that whatever Jesus was writing down in the sand, he was writing down something against someone. We're not, again, we're not quite sure, but perhaps Jesus was writing down the sins of those men who were accusing this woman. In verse number seven, they kept questioning him. You know, he's still on the ground. He's doodling. He's writing down whatever that is. Cartographing. He's writing down against them. And he straightened up. He got up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. All right, so get the contact, right? Jesus should we go ahead and kill her? Uh, Jesus stands up and says, if any of you have never sinned, go ahead. Here's your rock. You can go first. Verse number eight. And then he stooped back down and wrote on the ground. He's writing again the second time. And he's doing more of that. And at this moment, I think it's very interesting. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until Jesus, only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. The older one first, so starting with the oldest one. I, I believe what Jesus was doing was writing down, he started with the oldest. And he's like, oh, oh, that's me. And he started walking away. Now, the young ones are stupid. They have no idea what's coming. <laughs> and finally, they caught the picture. Like, oh, oh, ooh. How did he know that? How did Jesus know that? Walking away. Dropping the rocks. Getting away from it as far as they could. Because they got caught. Here's this woman. She's facing certain death. And she was all left alone. And Jesus says, where are they? Look at verse number 10. He said, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And through her certain tears, I'm sure, said, no one, sir. Then said Jesus, Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. You know, here's what I hope you will see this morning. Hands down. Without a doubt, this woman was guilty. She deserved condemnation. She was sinful. She was wrong. But because of the grace and love of Jesus, if you're taking note, Jesus did not give her what she deserved. Instead of giving her condemnation, he gave her mercy. Instead of condemnation, he gave her mercy. Here's the good news is for those of you who are in the same situation, you're in the same place as this woman, you're full of shame, 
Perhaps you're here this morning, you've got full, you're full of guilt, full of condemnation. There is power in the verse, Romans 8, verse 1. A verse that I would encourage you to memorize. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me say it again because I think maybe you didn't hear it. I want to hear it. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear the power of it. Therefore, there is now, not later, not after counseling, not after you complete the program, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even though she deserved condemnation, in God's grace, he gave her mercy. See, even though you may have done wrong and you deserve condemnation, you don't have to wear the cloak of shame, the cloak of guilt. And when the voice continues, when the voices of shame and guilt speak into your life, when it says that you're pathetic, that you're a loser, that no one will ever love you, that you're always going to be this way, that you can't overcome it, you've tried for too long, you've tried, you've failed, you'll never make it, you'll never amount to what God wants to be, God will never love you, God can never use you, you're no count, you're nothing for him, you're a failure. When you hear those voices, you need to remember this. That you are not what you did. You are not what, uh, what those voices say. You are not who others say you are. You, my friend, is who Christ says you are. And in Christ, Jesus says, you are forgiven. In Christ, Jesus says, you can be free. In Christ, you are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of your testimony. See, you are not your past. You are not what somebody did to you. You are not even what you did, even if it was wrong. Because now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 11, Jesus looked at her and declared, I love it, he declared it. Go now and leave your life of sin. It wasn't, it wasn't, hey, no, stop being a bad girl. You know, don't, don't do that again. No, 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 there was much more than that. This, this was the power, this was the power, a statement of power right here. He said, woman, leave your life of sin, you are now free. You have been, you have overcome this. You're not in bondage anymore. You do not have to live in condemnation. He didn't say, "Hey," he tell her. He said, "Hey, listen, you need to go and get at least six months of counseling." He didn't do that. He, 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 he said, some of you right now, some of you here in this room. 
some of you that watching online, you, 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 you're thinking uh, that you're always going to be this way, that you, you cannot be changed, you cannot be healed, that you are stuck. And, and some of you, you're trapped in a sin that just held you hostage for years and years. But here's what I believe. I believe that one minute in the presence of Jesus and everything can change. Everything can change. You, you say, well, when, when, when can it change? When, when can it change? Listen to me, listen to me. Some of you, this, this is the power, this is the truth you need to hear. It can change right now. Now. In the presence of Jesus, it can change right now. That which has held you hostage all these years can change right now. That addiction can be broken now by the power of Jesus. Sure, there, there can be a process, but sometimes Jesus just does it now. now. Verse 12, Jesus continues. It's going back to your Bible study. Remember, it's done with the Bible study. All right, the Pharisee kind of interrupted. The woman was dragged into this. Now the Pharisees left, and the woman is now she's gone. And so Jesus now back to, you know, talk about, talk about a Bible study, talk about a life group, all right? It's about the 12, and Jesus spoke again to the people. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. In fact, you never have to be in darkness again. He said, when Jesus looked at her, he said, hey, where are your accusers? So they're not here. Then she said, then neither do I condemn you. And in that moment, if you're taking notes, in that moment, Jesus was not just the light of the world, but he became the light of her world. See, my friend, it just got real for her. It's just what I love about God. You know, God, God is a personal God. Sometimes we think God is just you know, big God of trying to control the universe and making sure everything happens. That God is so focused on the wars and this and famines and, 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 and little children that are just starving in different parts of the world. And, and, and he is real. He is just as real over in the different parts of the world as he is here today. He is real and personal. He was personal with this woman right here. And he said, I'm not just the light of the world. I'm the light of your world. I'm the light of your world. You're saying, but God, I want victory. You can. She said, could be the light in your dark places. And if you do fall back, you're in Christ and you mess up. And the voices start coming back. Reminding you, man, you call yourself a Christian. 
By the way, the Bible said, uh, I believe in Revelation chapter 12, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. You know what he does all day and all night? He gets in your head. He tells lies about you. If you're in Christ, he wants you to feel like you're a, that you don't matter. That in your failings, that you're a loser. That's what Satan does. And when you hear that, the father of lies, you say, no, 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 Satan. Get out of my mind. Get out of my head. And listen to the truth. And the truth is John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You know, there's a, there's a big, um, a kind of a buzzword in the last few years. You hear all the time on media, speak your truth. Everybody got their own truth, right? Speak your truth, I got my truth. At the end of the day, what is truth? What is your truth? According to John 14, verse 6, only Jesus is your truth. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And what is true of you? What is true of this is that I am forgiven. What is true is that I am healed. What is true is that his power in me is greater than the power in this world. What is true is because he is my light. Darkness never wins. And I can go now. I can be free. I, cannot, I won't be held hostage by what anybody did to me. I won't be hostage to the sin that trapped my life. I'm not held hostage by my own guilty feelings because, what, because I know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus said to the woman, I don't condemn you no more. Now go. Don't miss it. The woman deserved condemnation. But according to the law, she's guilty. In fact, we all deserve condemnation according to the law. But because of the goodness of God, Jesus does not give us what we deserve. We deserve condemnation. But he gives us mercy because he is the light of the world. He is the light. And when we follow the light of the world, we never have to walk in darkness again. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today. There's some of us here this morning. There's some of us here today that came to church with their baggage. Their guilt and shame Maybe there's some that's watching online, they couldn't face church today because of something they did. That feels so dirty. But God, I pray that if we are in Christ, that they will see the victory that you give them. And that they will lay claim, that they will hold claim and claim Romans 8.1. There's a promise that we do not have to live in condemnation, although we deserve it. But we can live in the grace and mercy of Jesus. And so God, I pray for those here today, the believers, who have been listening to the lies. Perhaps the reason why they're not serving 
Just because they feel like they busted. They got the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and they don't do anything. They feel like they can't. God, I pray that today they, they can experience freedom. Freedom from the past. And remind themselves who they are in Christ. Perhaps I'm talking to someone here today who says, God, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but I, I've been shackled. I have been carrying my baggage of shame and guilt. And today, I want to let it go. And I want to walk in the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Christ and that's where you're at, no one's looking, but I just want to pray for you. If that's you, you raise your hand. I say, that's me, God. Today, I need Jesus to remind, be reminded of the truth that Jesus set me free. And I don't have to be guilty anymore. Anybody like that? Some hands. Maybe there's some of you here today, you don't know Jesus. You're not in Christ. Perhaps you're not in Christ because you feel like you, you can't. You're here today and say, Scott, you don't understand what I've done. I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. May I remind you the story of the thief on the cross last week? May I remind you of the story of an adulterous woman and that God's love forgave them. I promise you, my friend, there's nothing you do. There's nothing that you've done that God cannot forgive. He can forgive it all. You can give your life to Jesus right where you're at. And you can have a relationship with him today, now, now. There's no condemnation. You can have that today. You can simply pray to Jesus right where you're sitting. Ask Jesus to come in your life. Last week, we did a salvation prayer. About four or five people raised their hands. Or maybe you're here this morning. It's like, you know what? I need to make that decision. And when Jesus come in your life, he cleans you from the inside out. That's what he does. He takes your message. He, you don't have to clean up your life before Jesus comes in. Jesus wants to come into your messy life. And he'll do it now. Here's the prayer. You pray this prayer. Silent in your heart. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm guilty. I deserve condemnation. But today, I want to trust in you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. And be my Lord. And be my Savior. Cleanse me from the inside out. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I said, God, I pray that prayer. This morning I ask Jesus to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you out of the crowd. But if that's you, I'd just like to see who you are. He said, raise your hand and say, I pray that prayer. And I ask you, I see that one hand over here. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? 
God, we thank you for today. We thank you for those who need to be freed. Realize the truth of their salvation. That they can walk in freedom and in the light. And God, we thank you for those who made a decision to step into the light for the very first time and become a Christian and a follower of Jesus. I thank you for all you've done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.